0: Uh well, just waking up. I had my phone on uh, silencer again from last night's podcast. So, yes, I'm just kind of waking up.
1: So when you say silencer, it implies that it's loaded.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Okay.
1: <laughs> so uh, I want to... Like
0: a loaded question.
1: <laughs> um, I want to start here because it's new uh, Oilers practice in New Jersey. Connor Brown will appears to be a healthy scratch for tomorrow night against the New Jersey Devils. Uh, obviously, Adam Ernie drawing in. Fogle and Kane will be Drysidel's line mates, and the band is back together on the top line. Your thoughts, Bruce?
0: Yeah, well, the top line was actually absolutely crushing it. I mean, they 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 were outscored though in the previous two games after running like eleven to one streak for. Uh, during the winning streak and that was more just a matter of percentages catching up with them than playing badly. But uh last night they moved the Nuge down to the second line and he responded by actually playing badly. He had a really bad game for uh, for uh uh you know rare exception for him uh on both special teams and at even strength. Like it was a tough night. Uh as for Brown, uh I can't say anything more than he's earned a seat in the press box. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I. You know, it, 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 I mean it's it's not it's not nobody should be you know dancing a jig or anything, but they
0: Absolutely have given not. him
1: all the rope and then some, right?
0: All the rope and then some, and you know he's had. Uh, uh, I mean, he's been on the ice for over four hours here, and the Oilers have scored three goals during the entire time that he's been out there, he's got a 20% goal share. And it's it's been, uh, uh, you know, according to uh, Zach Lang, he says Connor Brown's 20% goal share is 299th of 300 forwards who played 275 minutes. And according to Evolving Hockey, his uh, wins above replacement is 341st of 343 forwards with similar ice time, I mean. It's just horrendous. It's been an uh, ongoing nightmare from the start of the season, and you keep watching the guy and think, "Well, this is a better player than that," but the results just keep not coming. Yeah, and uh, maybe it's time to watch a game from on high and let Adam Ernie, who's also uh, has a minimum salary cap hit uh, this year, but without any of those pesky bonuses, uh, you know, draw in and get a game. I mean, Ernie's got the best goals against per 60 rate on the team and he you know he's been on for uh uh 90 minutes of action only but in that time the Oilers have outstored the opposition four to two yes and for Brown it's three to twelve no
1: I can do math Bruce that's not good
0: <laughs> it's not, it's not. Uh, so
1: I we've got another uh 50 minutes in this show I'm going to turn the floor over to you Please explain what happened to the special teams in the second period last night.
0: I don't know. You know, I was just looking up last year's game at Long Island, in which the Oilers outshot New York 49-31. Uh, couldn't muster even one goal in that game. They lost 3 nothing on three second-period goals, one shorthanded, one power play, one even strength. Sound familiar? Yes. And the exact same thing basically happened last night, except it was two power play goals and one shorthanded goal. And after the shorthanded goal, uh, they played, I think, under 30 seconds of the power play. And I just wanted to see the entire first unit benched at that moment and then brought back out, you know, for the last 40 seconds or whatever, of the power play. Anyway, they did draw the five on three, and then they had a five on three and generated almost nothing. Yeah. Uh, You know, lost puck battles, pucks were cleared out of the zone. They passed it out of the zone themselves one time and just looked totally discombobulated for uh, basically most of that 58 seconds and basically most of that game on either special team. It was just a a meltdown of epic proportions. And, you know, the second period was, uh, uh, you know, that's as poor a special team's effort as I've seen, you know, where both special teams stunk for an extended period of time as uh, it's been a long time.
1: Well, I, I was worried. I, I said yesterday, my concern was that they they kind of, you know, regressed in terms of their structure five-on-five five in the Florida game, and I was concerned if they could get it back. But at five-on-five, five, I thought they played well, uh, and the numbers suggest that they played very well one line through four
0: line. Yeah. well, the first period was pretty good. Uh, second period, I mean, five on five other than, you know, taking penalties, but, uh, um, that, you know, that wasn't really the problem. Then the third period, of course, New York was just packing the middle of the ice and saying, come at me, bro. Uh, with, uh, uh, you know, with five forwards and that pesky Russian gold hender uh, in the way. And the Oilers were struggling to get pucks through and on the net and, uh, they got a few from outside, but Precious Little, that was highly dangerous.
1: You mentioned the Russians. Bruce McCurdy, our guest from Cult of Hockey the Edmonton Journal. What is it with Russian goalies in the Oilers?
0: Well, what is it with Russian goalies in the NHL? I mean, let's put it that way. I mean, this is three high, high-quality Russian goalies that they played in a row with Shisterkin still on deck here on the later tomorrow or Friday on the road trip. And, you know, all of them are... are uh, Great goalies to outstanding goalies, and uh, with a history of uh, you know standing up more than just the Edmonton Oilers, but just to get them all in a row like that. I mean, Vasilevsky was nothing short of fantastic, and they got four goals past him, and then the other two, two straight games with just one goal for the Oilers after 15 games in a row with three plus goals, which is outstanding production. So, I guess the offensive side was due for a slump, but uh. Uh, it certainly didn't help that they ran into the you know goalie's equality of Bobrovsky and Sorokin uh, after the Vasilevsky uh, performance. And it's just, uh, you know, it, I'd say inarguably the Oilers had the second best goaltending on the ice in each of those games. <coughs> and it wasn't even that the Oilers' goaltending was necessarily bad, and at least last night it wasn't but it was, you know, just wasn't as good as what they were facing at the other end of the ice.
1: Do you, they're, they're going to run with, uh, Picard, uh, to make it so in New Jersey. And then, uh, it's going to be, uh, Skinner against the Rangers. Do you like that rotation?
0: Well, Pickard actually beat the Devils, uh, in Edmonton, uh, and the first matchup between the two teams, He played pretty well in that game. Uh, I think it's necessary in a back-to-back. I mean, the other option really is to run Skinner in three three games in four days, or you have to put Pickard in for for one of them. It makes as much sense to be the New Jersey game against whom he's played well. Uh, and the other, well, I guess the other choice would be, well, go with your number one in the game where you think you have the better chance so you can get at least two points mm-hmm. out of these games, which geez, I'd like to get four points out of these games. You, got, you know, so maybe Pickard, or Pickard can uh, repeat his uh, showing against the Devils and then Skinner can work some magic against the Rangers and Schuster can. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a tall order, but, uh, they, you know, they've uh, backed themselves right back into a corner here, Alan.
1: Bruce McCurdy wanting the entire turkey on Christmas Day, two wins in <laughs> two road games.
0: One zero one one. You know, they got to do something more than.
1: Well, you want a Bettman out there, do you?
0: Well, I, I got to start getting some Bettmans. Geez, I was looking at the standings here today on the Hockey Reference. They show in regulation, there's uh, there's five teams in the NHL that have over ten uh, overtime games, and, and the Oilers have played in three. So you know, Oilers games are worth less. In terms of points awarded, than than games involving most other NHL teams, and they they got to do something about that. I hate it, but it's the system, and you got to game it.
1: Bruce McCurdy telling us that Oilers games are worthless. Good job there, Bruce.
0: less. two words.
1: <laughs> well, we'll we'll parse it later. Um, uh-huh. So let's talk about Philip Robert. I I believe Darren Drake is reporting. He's a careful reporter. Uh, he has the Oilers interested in moving Jack Campbell and possibly Broberg being uh, the, you know, the sweetener uh, in the deal. I hate the idea, Bruce. I understand they've, they've blocked Broberg six ways to Sunday. I get that. I don't understand it, but I get it. I still just, on the face of it, we were talking about Evan Bouchard needing playing time not that long ago, and now we're talking Broberg again. We know how Bouchard has progressed. I'm not saying Broberg's going to do the same, but I sure as hell would like to find out while he's still an oiler.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that talk scares me as well. You want to talk about one word or two? I'm not sure if Ken Holland in action is uh, better one word or two anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, so far this year, we haven't seen any kind of moves whatsoever, but I'm scared of the one that might be to come. And, I mean, uh, given up, you know, his prized draft choice to get rid of his prized goalie signing of Jack Campbell strikes me as not a winner. You know, it's 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 cleaning up the mess maybe to a degree, but that's a high price, the, and it's actually likely to be higher than that. Like Brogan yeah. would be not even necessarily the whole the whole uh, part of the trade. And you know what? Since he's gone down to Bakesfield, uh, he's plus five in four games. Yeah. And apparently he's playing twenty five minutes a night. And somehow the team's finding ways to lose you know, the other night they lost five two and he was plus two. I and mean, yeah. explain yeah. that. And yet uh uh there's an absolute wall between him. We've we talked about this at length before, the three story high brick wall with the barbed wire on top, turns all the contracts on term and cap hit on left defense. And so Maybe they're saying, "Well, there isn't a way clear for him to play here, so let's cash him in for something." But uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm not thrilled with uh, with the transactions that uh, the team has pulled off these past couple of years, to say the least. And, and with the obvious exception of the Ekholm, uh deal, which did uh, solidify the top four on defense, but it also put another story in that brick wall.
1: Do you? Um... I remember when one of the most baffling press conferences I've ever seen, where Steve Tambellini had traded Andrew Cogliano, uh, and he he made a point of saying the key was that they got the second round pick not for the next summer but for the following one, mm-hmm. and and I remember thinking, how is that better? And Cogliano, of course, has only played three thousand more games since being traded, but I there's a danger there, Bruce, with with Broberg specifically because he's. He's Swedish. He's big. He's tall. He's fast, and he plays defense. And he does not have the reps. Once he gets those, I'll be interested in seeing whether he's top four or top six. But I think he's going to play in the NHL.
0: Yeah, he's an NHL caliber player for sure. And and you know, uh, part of the issue is in Edmonton is that any time something's gone against him, he winds up being benched in press box Uh, without really getting much of a of a, um, you know, throw him back out there and, and let him have Adder like you've seen with, with other players. And I haven't understood that. I mean, the Cogliano one, I mean, if there's a there's a, a peak decade of darkness move, it's drafting a guy in the first round, uh, having him come to your team two years later, play four years, 328 games, never missed one, never played a game in the minors, and then trade him for a second-round pick. I mean, explain that to me, and, and we'll both know. But here come the Oilers, I guess is about the best explanation we got. <laughs> the, the
1: the other one that I loved with Tambellini was when he was uh, – uh, there was a wheat field behind him, I swear, and he said, uh, yeah, we're trying to trade Linus O'Mark, but nobody wants him. We've even said he could call people if he, if he wanted to. <laughs> I'm like, way to increase the value on that player, sir.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There was a time I thought Linus Olmark uh, was basically the same player as Matt Zuccarello. Yeah. Yeah. Undersized, highly skilled European guy coming over in sort of his early 20s. And there wasn't much to choose between them. Well, there sure is now, but maybe it was because Zuccarello was uh, given the opportunity. And and whereas Olmark, I mean – He's been top five in scores in every league that he's played in since. It's just none of them has been in the NHL. Right? Yeah.
1: I'm still convinced if he'd come over, like, the year after he was drafted, then he would have been. Because they just he, – he arrived in 2010-11. So did Taylor Hall, Magnus Pajarvi, Jordan Everly. I think. Mm-hmm. They all had the – Yeah, he was like the fifth winger, new winger. It was craziness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a – a poor decision by him and his agent to not come in '09 for sure, and it did really it just put him behind a wall of sort of higher profile. I mean, three first-round draft picks all came due in 2010, yeah. and so he was uh, uh, he was in a tough spot. But uh, here come the Oilers,
1: McCurdy. Thank you. You have a good day. Don't look at the standings anymore.